Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Chorus Call Conference Operator. Welcome to Vesema Network's second quarter fiscal year 2020 results conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode on the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Analysts and institutional investors who wish to join the question queue, simply press star and one on your touchtone phone you will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. Presenting today on behalf of Vesma Networks are Summit Kumar, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Dale Booth, Chief Financial Officer. Today's call will begin with executive commentary on Vesemis' financial and operational performance for the second quarter fiscal year 2020 results. Lastly, the call will finish with a question and answer period for analysts and institutional investors. The press release announcing the company's second quarter fiscal year 2020 results, as well as detailed supplemental investor information, are posted on Vesemis' website at www.vesema.com under the investor's heading. The highlights provided in this call should be understood in conjunction with the company's unaudited interim condensed consolidated financial statements and the accompanying notes for the three and six months ended December 31, 2019. Certain statements in this conference call and webcast may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. All statements other than statements of historical fact are forward-looking statements. These statements include but are not limited to statements regarding management's intentions, beliefs, or current expectations with respect to market and general economic conditions, future sales and revenue expectations, future costs, and operating performance. These statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risks and uncertainties that are difficult to predict and or are beyond our control. A number of important factors could cause actual outcomes and results to differ materially from those expressed in these forward-looking statements. These factors include, but are not limited to, the current significant general economic uncertainty and credit and financial market volatility and the distinctive characteristics of Vesima's operations and industry and customer demand that may have a material impact on or constitute risk factors in respect of Vesima's future financial performance as set forth under the heading Risk Factors in the company's annual information form dated September 26, 2019, a copy of which is available at www.setter.com. In addition, although the forward-looking statements in these earnings call are based on what management believes are reasonable assumptions, such as assumptions may provide, may prove to be incorrect. 
Consequently, attendees should not place undue reliance on such forward-looking statements. In addition, these forward-looking statements relate to the date on which they are made. VESIMA disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements. As a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by law. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Kumar to proceed with his remarks. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Second quarter was a pivotal one for VESIMA, both operationally and financially. I'm very pleased to report that we achieved our first meaningful revenue from our new Entra family of distributed access architecture products, a major milestone for Bessema as we kick off in the DAA market, a foundational pillar of our vision for the company and our role in the connected world. We also expanded sales of our industry-leading IPTV products, securing a number of strategically important wins. And financially, we delivered our best quarterly financial performance in the last three years. We'll talk more about all of this on today's call, but I'd like to start with a look at our second quarter financial highlights. On the top line, we generated quarterly revenue of $25.1 million, anchored by deployments of next-generation products at new and existing customers alike. Sales were up 11% year-over-year and 25% quarter-over-quarter. Gross margin was also exceptional at 64%, and adjusted EBITDA climbed to $7 million, up 27% year-over-year. This is our best performance in 12 quarters. Earnings per share also increased in turn, climbing to $0.16 cents from $0.09 cents a year ago. So financially, a very strong quarter where we benefited from a notably favorable product mix. Looking more closely at the operating achievements that helped drive these results, in our video and broadband segment, our new Entra family of products contributed notable revenue as operators began to purchase our new DAA platforms and products. Our first DAA solution win with a Tier 1 North American customer led the way. During the second quarter, we sold volume licenses of the Entra Remote 5 monitor, which the customer is using as a critical management platform for the DAA network rollout and ongoing operations. Subsequent to quarter N, we also received our first order for Antara Remote Pi nodes, also with this Tier 1 customer. As anticipated, this initial node order in Q3 wasn't a large one, but it puts us firmly on the path towards volume commercial deployment, and we're now in lockstep with the operator's timing to transition to scale in DAA. In other Entra developments, initial orders for our new Entra Video Qualm Manager and Entra Interactive Video Controller also flowed in the second quarter, and we advanced forward in field trials of our remote file nodes with a Canadian MSO. There's no question that it's quite satisfying to see our Entra family products starting to scale up. As you know, we've come through a very long period of development and investment in DAA, and the industry transition has been markedly slow and protracted. But we've been highly patient, agile, and strategic in our approach, which we believe will continue to pay dividends for our customers. I want to take a moment to acknowledge the VESIMA team that has played such a critical role in building and marketing our deep, diverse, and innovative new family of Entra products. Those efforts are positioning VESIMA at the forefront of the DAA industry transition with a host of high potential opportunities ahead of us. 
Now, looking at other contributors to our Q2 performance, I should note that Entra wasn't alone in driving strong quarter for our video and broadband solutions segment. We also saw significant uptake of Terrace Quam as our lead Tier 1 customer continued to expand its hospitality footprint while preparing for a migration to the next generation Terrace IQ platform. This helped to drive the year-over-year -year and quarter-over-quarter -quarter segment growth we achieved. Turning to our content delivery and storage segment, we set a new revenue record with sales of $15.4 million in Q2. Many factors drove that noteworthy performance. We once again deepened our penetration in the burgeoning IPTV market as we responded to growing demand from existing customers while at the same time attracting new customers. This included a new Tier 1 MSO customer in Latin America that's deploying our Media Scale X IPTV solutions across multiple affiliates. This win furthered our momentum in Caribbean and Latin America and helped us achieve over 1 million US in sales from this region. That's our best result to date from the Cala region in CDS. Our CDS business also realized a significant expansion of sales with a world top five MSO during the second quarter. As we, as we discussed on our last call, we recently launched a major software upgrade for this customer that's being rolled out across Fesimus footprint, which is over 75% of their video on demand network. Turning to another important milestone, I also want to highlight our first ever IPTV conversion in the broadcaster sector. During the second quarter, we were selected by a, by a tier one broadcaster in the Cala region to start converting archive libraries built with tape to online storage using our MediaScale X storage product. This is significant, and it's a strategic win representing major potential at this and other broadcast customers globally. The world's libraries of video content are largely stored on offline tape today, driven by brute force robotic retrieval systems. Vesima is leading the, leading the charge to bring these vaults online, reducing costs and increasing monetization velocity. The worldwide broadcaster market is massive and has the potential to become a major growth area for our IPTV products in CDS. In our telematics segment, the second quarter brought an important win for our fleet management business. We began a fleet-wide rollout with the City of Saskatoon in December, which includes monitoring about 1,000 municipal vehicles and movable assets. We also continue to build out the new market for our Nero GPS asset tracking products and I'm pleased to report we added five new customers during the period, including assets and fleet. Overall, it was a strategically eventful and exciting quarter for Vesma, with new products and deployments contributing significantly to our performance. And at this point, I'll turn the call over to Dale to provide more detail on our financial results. Dale? Thank you, Sumit. For the purpose of this call, we assume that everyone has seen our second quarter fiscal 2020 news release and financial statements that are posted on Bessemer's website. I will present the relevant numbers in discussions around overall results, market segments, operational expenses, and the balance sheet. Please note the results for the second quarter of fiscal 2020 include three full months of operating results from our acquisition of content agent. That business is now part of the content delivery and storage segment. We also adopted IFRS 16 leases on July 1, 2019. The impact to the income statement as a result of the adoption of IFRS 16 was insignificant. The adoption of IFRS 16 does not have an impact on cash flows.
Starting with consolidated sales for the three months ended December 31st, 2019, we increased sales to $25.1 million. This was up 11% year over year and 20% higher than $20.1 million in Q1 of this year. The increase in revenue reflects higher revenue from our video and broadband segment and record sales performance from our content delivery and storage segment. Within the video and broadband solution segment, we generated sales of $8.4 million. This was up 20% from a year ago and 12% from Q1 of this year. Our new Entra DAA products contributed revenue of $1.1 million. This compares to just $0.3 million in sales a year ago and $0.3 million in the first quarter of this year. Our Terrace Quam products also had an excellent quarter, with sales climbing to $3.1 million. That was up 168% year-over-year and 65% quarter-over-quarter, as our lead customer advanced as an extensive hospitality footprint while preparing to migrate to the next generation Terrace IQ platform. These gains fully offset the slowdown in demand for our other legacy Terrace family products. In the content delivery and storage segment, second quarter revenue set a new record at $15.4 million. This was up 8% from the very strong results of Q2 last year, which is our previous best ever quarter for CDS revenue. And it was 36% higher than the 11.3 million we generated in the Q1 period of this year. The revenue growth was driven by the factors Sumit discussed, including, including growing demand for IPTV solutions from new and existing customers, continued expansion in the Caribbean and Latin American region, and robust sales uptake of a major new software release by a world top five MSO. In our telematics segment, sales in the second quarter were stable at 1.4 million, in line with the 1.4 million we achieved both in Q2 a year ago and in Q1 of this year. Gross margin for the second quarter was a very strong 64%, up significantly from 57% in Q2 2019 and 52% in Q1 2020. In the video and broadband solution segment, gross margin increased to 58% from 49% a year ago. Higher margin software and license sales in our revenue mix were the main factors in this improvement. Gross margin in the content delivery and storage segment also increased significantly to 67% from 59%. Again, this reflects an increased percentage of higher margin software sales in the revenue mix. In the telematics segment, gross margin for the quarter was lower at 63% as compared to 71% in Q2 2019 mostly due to higher product costs in the current period. Turning to the second quarter operating expenses, the notable changes year over year were as follows. R&D expenses decreased slightly to 4.5 million from 4.6 million in Q2 fiscal 2019. However, until our new products are commercialized, development costs are deferred to future periods. Sales and marketing expenses increased slightly to 3.4 million from 3.3 million last year as we supported sales growth and factored in the addition of expenses from our newly acquired content agent business. And G&A expenses slightly increased by 0.1 million to 4.1 million. This reflects the addition of content agent expenses partially offset by lower amortization expenses year over year.
In total, OPEX increased to 12 million in Q2 from 11.6 million last year. The increase reflects higher operating expenses in the content delivery segment, partially offset by lower costs in video and broadband solutions. I noted that reported R&D expense in a period is typically different than the actual expenditure. That's because certain R&D expenditures are deferred until product commercialization. Adjusting for deferrals, amortization of deferred development costs, and income tax credits, actual R&D investment for the quarter decreased to 6.2 million, or 25% of sales. That was down from 7.8 million, or 35% of sales in the same period last year. The year-over-year change primarily reflects that we're getting closer to commercial deployment with a number of our next-generation products. Turning to our bottom line results, we note that, that we tripled second quarter operating income to 4 million from 1.3 million in Q2 fiscal 2019. This was mainly driven by a $2.3 million higher contribution from the video and broadband solution segment and a $0.7 million increase in contribution from content delivery and storage. Adjusted EBITDA increased to $7 million up an impressive 20% year-over-year and 295% quarter-over-quarter. And net income for the quarter increased to $3.6 million, or $0.16 cents per share, from $2.1 million, or $0.09 cents per share, last year. Overall, it was a very strong quarter, both on the top and bottom lines. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the second quarter with $40.2 million in cash and short-term investments. Working capital was slightly lower at $58.1 million as compared to $58.3 million at the end of fiscal 2019. Finally, cash flow from operations for the second quarter increased to $4.3 million from cash used of $0.7 million in the same period last year. This significant $5 million increase reflects a $3 million increase in cash flow from non-cash working capital and a $2 million increase in operating cash flow. Now back to Sumit. Thank you, Dale. We're very happy with our second quarter results, and we're moving into the second half ready to build on our progress while maintaining our agility as the industry's wide-scale infrastructure upgrades unfold. In our video and broadband solutions segment, initial sales of several of our new Entra products are underway and we're moving closer to scale deployment. As it's always been in cable, the timing will depend on the industry's pace, given that moving to the DAA access network is a sea change which has already encountered significant delay. Accordingly, we're being cautious in our expectations for Entra sales in the second half, even as our confidence in our broader DAA prospects continues to build. The scope and breadth of our engagements with customers is growing, and we're strengthening our presence in the DAA space with industry-leading new offerings. During the second quarter, we launched our new double-density Remote Fi access node. This innovative solution combines two Remote Fi devices into a single node to double both up downstream and upstream capacity. We're already seeing a great deal of interest from operators that want to leverage their network designs with a higher-density node. We believe this new node will ramp up the velocity of our deployments. On a different front, we're also pursuing opportunities for comprehensive DAA and IPTV solutions in keeping with our aim to be an overall strategic vendor to our customers. In fact, 
We're currently progressing lab qualifications for both Entra and Media Scale X with a Tier 1 MSO. The near-term opportunities for our next-generation products are growing, and as our customers move closer to deployment, our momentum will start to build. Now, as we've said previously, as the cable industry moves closer to DAA, we're expecting that demand for a number of our legacy cable products will taper further. In commercial video, <clears throat> demand for Terrascom was solid in the first half, and we're anticipating further ordering activity in the second half. But longer term, we're preparing for our lead customers' migration to the next generation Terrace IQ platform, and we're working closely with them to orchestrate this upgrade. We further development of Terrace IQ in the first half and recently provided a well-received functional proof of concept demo to the customer. Development will continue as we define the intercept point of the Terrace QAM to Terrace IQ transition with the customer. In our content delivery and storage segment, we expect that product enhancements, new customers, and higher capital spending on IPTV will all underpin ongoing strong demand for our Media Scale X solutions. As before, we see potential for the CDS segment to grow in the 20% range in fiscal 2020. This is based on the increasing pipeline of opportunities for migration to IP video networks, including linear broadcast, cloud DVR, and timeshift TV. We want to remind everyone again, however, that the CDS segment can see pronounced quarterly swings related to the timing of large customer orders. In our telematics business, we expect consistent incremental growth from the fleet tracking market, and we anticipate increasing demand for our newer movable asset tracking services. In summary, Vesmo is poised for growth across the organization. DAA scale deployment is nearing, and we're ready with an excellent portfolio of highly differentiated Entra DAA solutions. At the same time, we're making rapid headway in the global march to IPTV with our powerful Media Scale X family of products. We're excited about Vesmo's forward momentum as we take our place leading the industry's evolution. I look forward to telling you more about our progress in the coming quarters. That concludes our formal comments for today. We'd now be happy to take questions. Operator? Certainly. We will now begin the question and answer session. Analysts and institutional investors who would like to ask a question please press star and one on their touchtone phone. You will hear a tone to indicate you're in queue. For participants using a speakerphone, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing any keys. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. There will be a brief moment while we poll for questions. Our first question comes from Davis Kwan, with PI Financial, please go ahead. Hey guys. Morning, David. Morning, David. Good work, uh, a solid quarter for you guys. Thank you. Um, jumping, um, I guess, straight into the Entra. Um, seems like there's some, uh, obviously, some pretty good progress there. Um, especially kind of looking out probably over the next few quarters. Um, you talked about on um, the first, uh, I guess, post Q2 uh, purchase of, of the remote find out by that, that uh, tier one MSO. Um, and you mm -hmm. mentioned, I guess it was fairly modest. Can you maybe provide some more color as to how you, you know, I, I, I'm guessing the customer may have shared some information on how they see that rollout uh, playing out, uh, any color you provide from, from that standpoint. And um, to the extent, sure. you know, like you've seen with 
maybe in the tariff family of products where the customer, certain customers have kind of built up in inventory. Do you see that as a potential or do you see more kind of buy as, as they need it? Yeah, so, you know, that customer, like I said, you're right, the, the, the you know, initial order in Q3 that we've talked about so far is, is very modest and, and that's, you know, getting them started. Um, you know, the timing cadence, we're working with them, like I said, in lockstep to look at their calendar 20 plan, which, um, as we've said, um, envisions a, a scale rollout going across their network. Um, you know, and, and, and in terms of inventory, you know, it, it certainly depends on the volume of activity that that uh, they may anticipate that they're going to pursue within the calendar year um, across, you know, the number of markets and regions that they, they plan within their CapEx budgets to, to roll out this year. Um, and that will kind of get them to a, a place where they, they position their, their warehousing and inventory accordingly. Um, so that has the potential to, to kind of, uh, if you will, lead the actual deployment. Um, but, you know, as we've been saying time and time again and, and remains the case in DA overall, we're talking about major infrastructure here and that implies, um, as always, construction, labor, stringing fiber in the field um, and all these very challenging infrastructure um, rollout activities. So that's where we maintain our view that, that uh, timing is, has been variable, um, subject to change and, and we're being cautious. Okay, that's uh, that, that's good. Um, on the on the uh, enter, I guess the EN eight one two four, the higher density access node. So is that in the market right now? That is <clears throat> in the market in the sense that you know we've we've launched a product. Of course, you know I don't uh, go too precise on on in terms of GA. Um, when I have a new product launch, which I've done just recently with 8124, so I'm not going to speak to that. Um, but we feel pretty good about where we stand with that with that configuration and and how that ties to our opportunities at the tier one and other customers. And do you see that garnering more demand than the, I guess the lower density uh, node that you've got out that's been out uh, for the last few quarters? It has a potential to do that, and we're seeing that it's, you know, in the sense that it's a segmentable node with two RPD modules. So, like I've said, double density. Um, as operators are looking to roll out DAA, and 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 um, I've, I've talked about this before, and the, the 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 strategy there is to look at amplifier locations today and optical node locations today today um, and deploy RPD nodes in those those locations. When you have a segmentable node, you can you can afford a, a, a roadmap to the long-term capacity in that location. So that, you know, affords us an, an opportunity to, to be, uh, you know, differentiated in a sense in RPD. Talk about maybe the price point for, for the 8124 versus, I guess, the lower-density node. I, I can't do that, David. Um, you know, of course, as you can imagine, it's it's going to drive things upward. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's 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 going to come in lower than buying two of the the half density notes. Yeah, I, I'd assume it was kind of less than twice what the the, the lower density yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah, that's as much as I'm going to say today. <laughs> that that's fine. Yeah. Um, you. You've, I guess, in the past talked about the number of operators you guys have been engaged with. I think it was like 19 last quarter, and I think six of those were, were tier ones. 
can you provide an update uh, on those metrics? Yeah, I mean, in terms of that count, you know, for the time being, I'm not committing in terms of the cadence of, of updating that number. Um, it's evolving and growing overall, and, and you know, as we, we we see it's appropriate, we'll, we'll update the market on, on, on where we stand overall. Um, but you can, uh, you know, I can say that uh, remains the case that there's the six tier ones in that group, and, and uh, um, you know, over 13 other tiers of operators, they're all progressing at various stages of the sales cycle. We've talked uh, quite a bit uh, about the lead tier one. That's, that's of course, um, you know, the, the most important factor this fiscal year. Um, and then other tier ones are, are progressing along at various stages. And uh, we mentioned a Canadian uh, field trial also getting going um, in that in that other group of customers. So, you know, overall, a lot of momentum in that that engagement list, the, the RPM, Remote File Monitor, we talked about the sale in Q2, um, that's proving to be, uh, uh, you know, relevant in, in terms of our overall engagement with the market, that uh, it's a very unique and uh, DAA-tuned um, solution for, for orchestration and service assurance that's proving to become um, very important to customers generally, and that's as we strategize kind of creating uh, pull through opportunity for us as an overall solutions vendor, and we have that whole ecosystem, including the video side of VA with with VQM, LQA, of course the nodes, the remote pie monitor, the switch. So, so that you know that activity is is working in in a good way for us. Oh, that's great. Um, and I guess with uh, Canadian MSO, it's, it sounds like it's near the start of that field trial. Um, you know, when do you think they could, assuming things go well? Um, move into kind of more commercial deployments, and then could you maybe talk about the potential revenue opportunity? Um, I assume it would be materially smaller than than uh, your other one uh, that uh, is is wrapping out right now. Mm -hmm. And and like we anticipate overall for the market, there's there's a wide range of sizes of operators, um, but the aggregation of of these smaller operators globally is is a very good opportunity overall. Um, and remains the case. So for the for the Canadian, I, you know, we have we highlighted that we've gone into field trial. Uh, you know, it it, it has a, a potentially faster sales cycle, of course, than a, than a tier one. And we've also thought that uh, you know there may be a, just a one vendor selection there rather rather than a two vendor split. Um, and you know, field trials has kicked off. Winter was an important thing to 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 uh, demonstrate with that. Uh, that uh, customer. So once we get through that, um, everything's you know performing very nicely. So we can see them moving in the right direction in, in the next few quarters. So maybe early fiscal 21, where you might uh, early to mid uh, fiscal 21. I guess the second half of this calendar year, we could possibly see some yeah. more material yeah. orders out of them. Okay. Yeah, I could, we could see some ordering activity and. First half of fiscal 21, and uh, you know overall it's, it's it's a small amount of potential there. But uh, like I said, our our view is to to add together many of those types of customers, and uh, we're seeing our our integrated sales team is is being um, powerful at doing that in that uh, 19 customer list we have. Okay, and can you maybe comment? Just on the field trials, like, are there any other field trials, or is the rest of the stuff in the labs right now? 
I don't want to get it very specific beyond the ones I've talked about with the Tier 1 and the, the Canadian. Um, you know, what I can say is across the overall group, um, there's there's more than a few field trials, um, several lab trials, um, and some that are, of course, you know, commercial engagements, early stage. Um, so we've got a wide set there, but uh, I'm not going to get a field trial number out today. Um, and then just the last one on, on Entra. Um, just any update on kind of the progress in, in working on FDX and, and extended spectrum doxis and PON, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and as we've talked about the last few quarters, David, I, I think the, 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 the way we've seen that uh, kind of um, progress is that the industry had gone through churn on, on standards competition and whatnot, and, and as at last kind of harmonized to DOCSIS 4.0 that uh, um, incorporates both extended spectrum and FDX in the standard itself, um, but uh, we're seeing that by and large the, the operators are having a leaning to go to extended spectrum as, as, as a long-term evolution. Meanwhile, silicon's kind of been parked awaiting that that turn to clear and that harmonization to occur which has occurred um so silicon will will potentially start to to come this calendar year um we've been preparing development accordingly but the the more um important thing that we've talked about with respect to doxis 4.0 for us is that um you know now that the roadmap and evolution plan is has been ratified if you will by the industry um Operators are turning their focus um, entirely back to Gen Gen 1 and getting going in DAA generally in the first place, and they see the long-term view to get to 10 gig speeds with extended spectrum. Um, but we're we're focusing on Gen 1 now, and that ties to our opportunity list. Helpful, thanks, Um On the on the TQ, um, noted the the stronger uh, demand in, in the first half of this year, and hopefully. Rolling over to the second half, so you know, would you expect to see kind of the the revenues we've seen in, in the first half kind of equaling the the second half? So you kind of come in a full year number around ten million bucks, or um, you know, could you expect it to deviate from that? Yeah, I think uh, that's a that, that's a very uh, good way to think about things, David, as you just stated. Um, you know, we've had some good flow in from the lead MSO customer. And what happened there is that, you know, some time ago sales pulled back significantly. Um, and what they were up to at that time was, uh, um, you know, still going on this, this uh, we've called it in some cases all digital conversion. I, you know, another way to look at it is that they, they came out with a solution and were t tackling market share versus other hospitality service providers at a rapid pace back then. Um, but, you know, they, they reached, a, if, you know, a, a point where they tackled the majority of that market share expansion and, and made a transition to network fill-in that parked them with some inventory. Um, and they've been kind of consuming out of inventory for some time. But um, in network fill-in, the, you know, um, footprint expansion and new property captures continued at a consistent pace this whole time. Um, so what, what's happened recently is that the inventory position is wound down and we're we're, we're you know we're accessing that network fill-in volume um, that we saw a bit of that happening Q2 
um, we could see some continuity going forward in, in the second half. And then we're, of course, you know, thinking about when, when to make the, 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 the change over to Terrace IQ, which, which tackles both the network fill-in, um, you know, run rate volume, as well as the opportunity to upgrade and replace the, the deployed base. So I guess where where is um, Terrace IQ right now? Like, is is it is there they is it allowed with them right now? Um, just trying to get a sense on timing for for that product line. Yeah, and you know as we've talked about in Terrace IQ, um, the vision there just to step back for a second ties to the migration of the overall residential video network moving from Quam to IP. Um, and once you do that, uh, it uh, in turn, you know, your lineup availability of content for your hospitality sector um, changes and you need a platform like a Terrace IQ to, to do what we've always done in the hospitality sector with Terrace Qualm. Um, so we've done the, you know, proof of concept uh, demo, which was uh, quite successful with the lead um, in Q2. Um, development's ongoing. And they're also looking at when they, you know, perceive, you know, this this impact to the to the the input lineups um, as they roll off Qualm and move to IPTV, and that's of course generally a very um, long game type of story. So you know, everything's uh, in a way that as we get through calendar 20, um, you know, calendar 21, and that that time frame, we can see them starting to think about um, making the changeover. So calendar late this late this calendar year, early next year is when we could see some uh, material uh, Terrace IQ uh, revenue. Sounds like that's when we could possibly see um, Terrace IQ start to sell a get uptake. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you've talked about the revenue opportunity probably mirroring the the Terrace Terrace IQ uh, uh, revenue profile, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, of course, it's a, uh, at this point, I've lost count, probably fourth generation platform, um, Terrace IQ, um, you know, and, and we've been a little over a decade in the commercial video MSO space. Um, so it's, of course, taking advantage of state of the art in terms of, of the, the technology that's now accessible to us in this design. So we're going to see a little um, improvement in the ASPs. Um, which will, which will of course be attractive to the operators in terms of their flow out volume in hospitality. Um, but with that said, we have, you know, we're largely in the U.S. But let's say our global number for now, we have give or take 25,000 hotels running Terrace, Terrace Qualm, various members of the family that are um, addressable market for us for, with Terrace IQ. And and um, I think you mentioned previously there was. One other tier one MSO, I think that might have been kind of kicking the tires, but still early stage. And another one that didn't uh, have much interest at this point. Is that anything changed from that standpoint? I think we're seeing uh, more MSOs getting, you know, they're thinking around Terrace IQ. Um, so we've talked about the three tier ones of the lead and two other tier ones. I have both of those other two tier ones, of course, still still working away on. 600E MPEG-4 densification for now, um, but Terrace IQ certainly, um, you know, entered their thinking about long-term evolution. Um, that's great. Um, 
onto the content delivery and storage business, it was obviously a very strong quarter you had. I think a year ago there was some benefit from some deals that got pushed out from uh, Q1. Um, I was just curious to the extent um, for this quarter that, you know, whether there were some deals that pushed out from Q1 or maybe pulled in from Q3 and, and possibly budget flush, like, is this kind of a, a new level uh, uh, for this business? Obviously, they're subject to quarterly variability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in terms of our kind of communication around on new level and whatnot, the best kind of um, guidance I can suggest there is to think about our, our overall stance. Uh, we're, we're positioned for over 20% growth compared to fiscal 19, so that can give you a sense of, of um, our view on, on keeping going at these at this pace, um, you know, and, and with respect to the causes, there's there's a little bit of all the of all the above stuff going um, here, uh, you know, in Q2. Um, you know, we did have uh, calendar year end budget uh, tailwind. That that's always a case in in this and and, and the entire MSO industry. Um, so that that was uh, helpful. And uh, you know there was there was some capex pause um, in fiscal 19 and the first part of fiscal 20, pretty much calendar 19, early calendar 19, at one of our um, very important tier one customers where we have that 75% footprint of of media scale X cash, um, and they they kind of unleashed in Q2 with a major software release. Uh, upgrade purchase that we were anticipating, so that was you know a strong contributor to both the the top line and the uh, margin profile, which was um, quite excellent um, with the software we drove into that that tier one customer. But at the same time, our our, our overall list of new customers and new design wins at existing customers for IPTV has been accelerating. Um, so you can superimpose that on some of the the variability that led to a great Q2, um, but having a, an overall trend that we where we really like where where the, the segment is performing and situated going forward. Perfect. Um, just a couple more questions. I'll pass the line. Um, on the gross margins, obviously uh, exceptionally strong um, this quarter, um, driven by the software mix. I guess. Can you comment? I guess on how the software mix. Um, varied from this quarter versus what we've seen over the last couple you know, quarters or, or even years, um, and how we should be looking at um, gross margins going forward. Should we, you know, be expecting higher mix of software sales, um, maybe particularly from the media scale X uh, uh, platform with the software upgrades? Okay, so I'll let Dale come back to the the kind of um, guidance side of that, but I'll talk a bit more on the, the color side to start. So. In terms of whether it's kind of secular or on on software mix or or not, I, I would say that it, it it certainly demonstrates the, the the capacity for for mix to go very favorable for us um, in CDS uh, in particular. And I, I talked about the tier one operator rolling software, but but kind of stepping back to the, the overall cadence of some of these things, when we get a new design win for IPTV, you're, you can imagine that we would um, have some hardware concentration in the early days as we start the rollout. From there, as you kind of increase capacity and in licenses and take up of the, the, the services, 
um, cloud DVR capacity, um, all of those things, and you get effects like the need for these software feature uh, updates like we did in, in Q2. Um, you can have these periodic bursts of software concentration in a given design win. Um, so it sets you up for that opportunity um, uh, uh, from time to time, but I wouldn't call it a consistent uh, nature of the business. So we do, you know, expect to pull back from, from you know, honestly an outstanding margin profile in Q2 that we saw there. Um, and in VBS, um, you know, remote monitor um, sale to the tier one. Um, was was certainly a, a driver of, of healthy mix for us in Q2. Um, that that also took that segment to a nice spot. Um, remote fly monitor, as I said before, is, is becoming relevant in more and more customers. So we could see that that effect. But at the, at the same time, you know, as we enter the nodes, um, you know, in the early days of volume, that's 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 a bit of a headwind on growth um, until we really get to volume. And Dale, you can sure. So um, I think you uh, highlighted that perfectly, Sumit, and um, you know, and 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 ramping up uh, our intranodes going forward as well. Is you know, at uh, lower margins, I think that we'll be looking at that 49 to 53 percent guidance that uh, you know we provided in the last couple of quarters. Okay, that's helpful. Um, and then just uh, one one last question. Um, Obviously, hearing you know across the, the globe the impact on the coronavirus and the impact on supply chains and whatnot. Um, you know, understanding that you know I think it's still kind of the tail end of Chinese New Year and whatnot. To what extent do you have any color that um, what's going on there um, may have an impact on on your supply chain as it relates to components and whatnot? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. You know, we've been we've been monitoring it as much as as anyone else has, and in, in, in terms of things evolving very rapidly there. Um, and you know, coincidental as you said with, with Chinese New Year and extending that, um, we feel like uh, you know we were in a good spot in in, in considering Chinese New Year in the first place um, and situating ourselves in a good place. Um, you know, certainly at least for for Q3 in that sense. Um, we don't have any direct supply chain in, in Hubei, but uh, you know there, there may be an, uh, an influence of subcontractors down down the line there that we um, could ultimately play out. And then if the broader region kind of continues to to experience impact, we'll have to, to monitor it closely. But you know for now we're we're relatively comfortable. Um, you know if it continues and escalates, um, leading into our Q4, Q1, then we we need to. Be mindful of what we do to mitigate. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. The next question. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. We will pause for one moment for any final questioners. The next question comes from Ole Prageo with with Private Investor. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Uh, congratulations. Great quarter. Thank you, Ole. Thank you, Ole. I, I understand, like, the as countries now uh, 
Canada, both Canada and the U.S. want to expand into uh, high, get high-speed internet into rural areas. Now, is just IPTV like that's basically streaming service, right? And and these streaming services ramp up. Is that possible to get that out in rural area and <clears throat> excuse me be, to become a an added feature or, mm -hmm. or so yeah like you said you know um canadian u.s governments are putting some emphasis on making available some funding for rural internet expansion broadband expansion um and and as we've said you know uh, in a macro sense ip video is kind of the the very driver of the, the the push on bandwidth overall, um, and that's that 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 uh, applies to, to rural broadband um, capacity all the same. So, um, you know, for our set of products, MediaScale X, and our customer base, which tends to be the service providers, that can very well um, be a factor as you know we get more expansion of rural broadband um, to the to the extent that uh, it's being um, you know, the funding is being accessed by our types of customers, MSOs, service providers. Um, you know, we can flow through to that in our in our in our products in the first place, IPTV um, products that are applicable generally to to these service providers' evolution to IPTV. So I think that's the connection I want to draw there. That that in the sense of our customers expanding via rural um, and us kind of. Um, matching to their evolution to IPTV generally, um, you know, that can participate, we, we participate that way. Uh, recently, there's a, a big drive on putting uh, satellites, communication satellites into low Earth orbit. And uh, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity there for, I mean, you don't have to worry too, in these streaming uh, things uh, they you don't have to worry too much about latency right so because actually you, can you do download. um no actually latency only if i maybe we haven't had a chance to speak on this yet in too much detail but with respect to linear that's broadcast video um over iptv um latency is a, a frankly a huge issue um, and that's oh, really? one of the areas that we've made some product differentiation to to try to make latency uh, bring latency at parity with what you have with set top box based video. Um, so to the extent that latency is impacted by you know low Earth orbit uh, satellite, that 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 is a factor. Okay. Yeah. I I had the impression that you could download, you know, in packets and. And that way, you could just pile it up. If you're viewing at when, a, a, when they're sitting a, there, and the mm -hmm. people could mm -hmm. download it to their PVR or whatever, and then then watch watching yeah. that way, right? Sure. I mean, if you're time shifting in the first place, which we think is you know generally we could call that viewing on demand. Um, right. You know, you could, you could have your schedule set and download. Um, and not avoid the latency thing, um, but when it comes to live TV, um, sports, news, etc., um, which is still core yeah, service okay. today all right, all right. for pay TV, 
Um, latency is a huge, huge concern. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't get. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, thanks and uh, great quarter. Thank you, Oli. Thanks, Oli. There are no more questions at this time. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.